Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast live from San Jose, California. I'm your co-host, Guru Ram Prakash, and uh, live with me in San Jose, California, in his house, is Vikram Khan. By the way, we're both in this house, so I just wanted to make that clear before uh, Vikram uh, quips anything at me. Vikram, you got anything to say? <laughs> we are actually in my house, both of us today. So yeah, thanks for coming down, Guru. Thanks for hosting, dude. Anytime, man. This is this is living the dream right here. All right, yeah, and I'm really glad this is living the dream for you because it's living the dream for me too. And I love to record, and it's been it's been a while since we recorded our last episode. So. It's been like two weeks, man. Yeah. Remember well, when we used to go like a month without recording episodes? I'm glad we're able to put out content a little bit more often. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's 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 a good deal when two weeks is a long time, but nothing has really been going on in the NBA. This is sort of the the doldrums of the NBA season. No player movement, uh, but we got teams jousting for playoff position, and we're going to be talking about that on this episode today. Uh, but, uh, the first thing that we want to talk about, uh, with you guys is, uh, the injury report, all the injuries that have been going on in the NBA from big to small, basically with impact players. We're going to talk about that as we, as, as I said before, we're going to be talking about the standings in the West. What playoff matchup do you want to see in the West? We're going to talk about that also in the East, which team do you want to see make the playoffs in the East? Talk about that as well. Then we're going to talk about the MVP race, Harden versus Giannis, and the Rookie of the Year. Do you like Trey Young or do you like Luka Doncic? So those are our topics for today. But uh, do, do you have anything to remind our listeners to do, Vikram? Please send us emails, leave us reviews, comments, anything. We'd love to hear some feedback. We'd love to talk about things you want to hear. If you guys have any questions or suggestions or recommendations, please let us know. Uh, you can reach us by email at ballisticpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's the easiest way to reach us, and uh, we are always monitoring that inbox. So please, if you have any sorts of feedback, comments, suggestions, please shoot us an email. Yes, especially suggestions, topic suggestions. Yeah, we'd, we'd love that. to. We'd love to hear from you guys. And yeah. then uh, on the other hand, as well, if you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play or any of these, uh, any of the places that you hear our podcast. Give us a review; it really helps us and gives us a little bit more feedback on the show. Definitely, definitely. Leave us a rating. We love the ratings, and that oh, was, yeah. I mean that—that's the thing that uh, puts us up on searches on uh, Apple Podcasts, at least. I don't know about Google Play, but uh, Apple Podcasts it definitely does that. So with that, we go into our the content of our episode, and uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is uh, Yusuf Nurkic and his devastating broken leg. So this happened during a game against the Brooklyn Nets. It happened in overtime. So. Anytime injuries happen late in overtime, you sort of wonder, could it, could that have been avoided? Did, did that actually have to happen? But it did, and uh, Yusuf Nurkic broke broke his leg. It, it was a very 
Uh, it was a very sad moment where uh, it was one of those injuries where that you don't want to see happen. Very similar to the Gordon Hayward injury in terms of uh, severity. But uh, he had a successful surgery. There was no nerve damage. But he is expected to miss the rest of this year, obviously. And going into next year, we, we do not know when we're going to see Yusuf Nurkic back on the court. So, Vikram, how devastating is this injury to the Portland Trailblazers who were playing well? Uh, and um, well, what does this mean for uh, the upcoming playoffs uh, coming up for them? Okay, so the first thing I'll say is I'm really get, glad uh, Nurkic got paid in the offseason. I know he took a, a, a contract that had less money on it in total, uh, but it's looking like a really good contract signing for him. So this is just another reminder that if you're an NBA player, you got to take what you got. Otherwise, uh, freak injuries like this can really derail your career, a.k.a. look at Isaiah Thomas. You know, not that there's anything he could have done differently, I think, in terms of contract situation, but the Nurkic injury is a is a good indication of that. It was a pretty the thing. The thing about Nurkic is that the thing about Nurkic is that he's only 24. Sure, yeah. And uh, I I don't know if you look at that as as a positive or a negative, but he's only he's he's 24 years old. He's he'd be slated to come back from this injury at age 26, which I, I guess that would give him enough time to you know find his legs. And uh, sort of worked towards becoming the player that he became this season. He put up career highs this season, and he really found a home at the center position Absolutely. For, for, for the Trailblazers. I think for most of this year, he's been the second best player on that team. Uh, it's no disrespect to CJ McCollum, but CJ McCollum has had an off year. And I think Nurkic has legitimately been the second best player for Portland. And to lose him now uh, is, is going to be devastating for two major reasons. Number one, Nurkic himself is a phenomenal basketball player on both ends of the floor. He gives you an opportunity to have room protection on defense. He gives you offensive rebounding and a big presence on offense. Uh, I think a team like the Rockets would have really struggled with dealing with Nurkic. He absolutely crushed them on the offensive glass in their game during the regular season this year. Uh, he's been a problem for a lot of teams being that big bruising presence inside on both sides of the floor, and they're going to miss that. And the second big reason I think that they're going to miss him is they're going to have to play Ennis Cantor big minutes in the playoffs. Oh, no. And this is going to be hugely problematic. I don't know how the hell Portland will match up with the Rockets, for example. There's no way. Uh, it's, it's just Match not up with anybody. Match up with anybody because... Can you imagine them, can you imagine them matching up with the Clippers and having Lou Williams run... 40 pick and roll possession, 40 pick and rolls every possession against Ennis Cantor. It's it's just not going to work. If you're playing the Trailblazers and you're not running pick and roll with Ennis Cantor, I question your coaching. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And and this is the thing with Ennis Cantor, right? He's he's a great, uh, great, he's a great rebounder. He's a great player to have come off your bench and play reserve players, not play with your starters. Just ask the New York Knicks how just happy they were. Just look at his plus were. minus this year. It's, it's unbelievably bad. It's just it's one of these things where he's he is a very destructive player in terms of uh, in terms of the numbers, but he I I actually genuinely enjoy watching him play both from a rebounding and inside presence. I love watching Ennis Cantor play. He he's uh, he's a great rebounder. He's a great just finisher. Just on the offensive end. Just just on the offensive end. Yeah, and, and, and this is part of the problem. <laughs> he is this, definitely this a one way player. He very much a one way player, and uh, I mean the it's it's hard to see the Trailblazers going far. With Ennis Cantor at the center center position, I I really think they should, depending on the matchup, they should think about starting Zach Collins. I think they should, it's yeah. not he's not a much better option there. But uh, okay, you roll he's, the he's dice legitimately 
defensively much much better than than NSK. Well, most players are. That's but, true. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. I, so I, I think the expand other, on that thought. So I think the other problem is now you're looking at Portland's frontline depth, and you're like, well, great, my uh, my center rotation is going to be some combination of Zach Collins, Ennis Cantor, and Myers Leonard, maybe. Uh, maybe they have to unearth Scal Lavissier in the playoff. This this is going to be really, really, really bad. Uh, and even their power forward rotation with Alpha Rukumino and I guess Myers Leonard. I mean, like you're really looking at some some very limited rotations here without. Nurkic. They're they're going to have to play small. Oh yeah, at, at, at several points, and it's just not going to go very well. It's not, so. not going to go very well because it's going to be Alpha Rukumino playing small, and you you got to have lineups out there where you have Alpha Rukumino and Mo Harkless on the floor at the same time. I know. That happens a lot, but that is not the greatest, not the greatest uh, lineup. Uh, offensive lineup. And you have to wonder about CJ McCollum and, and that knee injury. That's Absolutely. another injury. If, he, if he's not like 120% in the playoffs. He's not going to be. And, you know, if that's the case, they're currently slated to play Utah in the first round. I don't think they got a shot in hell. Well, I mean, the, these these seedings, as we're going to go into later on in the show, these, it's a very fluid situation here. And, and who knows? Maybe the Blazers... End up with a favorable favorable matchup. I do not see it. Well, I think the problem now is I think they're pretty much locked into that fourth seed. They're two games up on the Jazz. Well, they can beat like the three seeds. Uh, yeah, they could. I guess they could get to the they, three and, seed, and, and they've been playing and, really, really well. And, so and that's, that's what totally I'm trying fair. to say. But now everybody knows how to play the Trailblazers, and it's just like uh, the previous pick and roll every possession. Wait, is that that's not really a complicated game plan. Yes, that 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 really isn't, and that's that's sort of what the I mean. The Pelicans did not run pick and roll a lot, but the Pelicans had a strict game plan for the Blazers last that year, and that's why the Blazers got yeah. swept. Absolutely, and, and that was it, trapping day. It's hard not to see a similar result happening this year. Well, this year they have an even easier place to target. I mean, how? I mean, to just <laughs> offensively, any other team can take advantage of Ennis Cantor, and defensively they can follow a trapping model on Dame Alert, especially with the rest of the team being so limited offensively. And then that's nothing to say of what happens when Portland has to go to its bench. <laughs> so <laughs> this is, this is going to be really rough for the Trailblazers. Although I will say... With Nurkic out these past games, they have, uh, with the exception of their last game, they had really come together, and Dame was playing some fantastic basketball. So yeah, Dame. I don't. Were... I don't want to count him out at all. I love watching him play. I love what he represents in the NBA. I love what he represents in the city of Portland. So I don't want to count him out. I really hope they can win the first round. Uh, otherwise, I think you know this has long-term repercussions for their future in terms of uh, whether or not Dame wants to stay in Portland, what their roster construction looks like, is CJ McCollum on the block? You know, I think all of those types of questions come to the forefront. If, and Damian, uh, say, Damian Lillard has had a phenomenal year. Yes, he has. He's he's a, he's a surefire All Star. Uh, even when CJ McCollum has been out, the Trailblazers were still riding the ship with Damian Lillard in the backcourt, and it was it's it's been really been this injury that makes you question how far the Blazers can can go in these in these playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, I think for sure he's going to be a all NBA second team almost certainly. I I would agree with that. But you're right, I don't think that they're going to go very far in the playoffs without Yusuf Nurkic. And, and this is the Western Conference. This is a wild this is the wild wild west. You didn't, you're not going to go very far without your best players, and we're talking about any team in the West. Yeah, I and, uh, I can't imagine this is going to go well for them. And and yeah, so uh, with that, uh, we wish Yusuf Nurkic a very speedy and hundred percent recovery. That's probably the most important thing, and hopefully he can he can get back to to form uh, either next year or the year after that, whenever that is. Yusuf, mm-hmm. Nurkic, we want to see the old Yusuf Nurkic in the league again. So with that, we're going to move on to another injury that we want to talk about. Giannis Antetokounmpo 
and his nagging ankle injury. So, I mean, this is an injury that's been, I mean, this is, this, this is the sort of thing with ankle injuries, right? You, you don't really know how severe it is until you, you have to play with it time and time again on the court. And uh, Giannis, he is the Bucks' most important player. And he seems pretty adamant that he wants to play through this ankle injury and um, show show the Bucks that he can he can he can play through it and that the the Bucks can keep on uh, moving uh, not moving up in the standings but maintaining their number one seed. Uh, but sh- it, the question here is: Should the Bucks just consider shutting down Giannis for the season and maybe even part of the first round if their first round matchup is 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 easy? Uh, should they probably plan on giving Giannis the most rest he could possibly have? So I think with this situation, I think part of it has to be dependent on Giannis and what he says. And then secondarily, uh, what the playoff considerations and from, from their record, they're three and a half games up the Toronto Raptors. So they're not really worried about dropping seed. Uh, given that, I think the smartest decision is for Giannis to sit. If not all of the games, at least some of the games, maybe it's I play one game, take the next game off. See how that kind of goes. I feel like taking this injury and and being as conservative as possible in terms of how they're going to play him and how many minutes they're going to play him a game is going to be a good idea. Uh, the worst thing that could happen is him go into the first round hurt, re-aggravate the injury, then go as they're going deeper in the playoffs to have that be a critical factor uh, in his play. And you're looking at the second round is going to be a dogfight in the in the East. So right now, if all things go to form, they're going to be playing the Celtics in the second round. And the idea that they're going to be, you know, fully, without a fully healthy Giannis, I'm not sure they can beat the Celtics, even and, as and, a... And, and when we talk about the Bucks, right, it's not just Giannis. Malcolm Brogdon is also hurt. Yep. And... Um, and Nikola Mirotic is also hurt, yeah. hurt with, with a broken with an injury, broken left hand or left thumb. I believe. Le- left thumb, but he sh- Nikola Mirotic should be back for for the playoffs. I sure. would think, and get yeah, warmed but, up in the first round. And, and for Brogdon, it's it's pretty much when is he going to come back? They should be getting him back by the second round. You would hope so. And but least. we don't know in what form. That's the bigger question. Yeah, right. And they talk about Malcolm Brogdon, right? He's he was their best floor spacer, at least in the starting lineup. Yeah. Well, and, I and, think Chris, Chris Middleton probably. Well, I mean, that's the thing with Chris Middleton, right? He's sort of on and off from the three-point line. Yeah, but from a respect level, I think that's what teams are. Teams are game planning right, on taking right. away threes from Chris Middleton. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's not. I, I would not. Guy. I would not. I would not disagree with that. Yeah. But even even then, Malcolm Brogdon is a big, very big piece of that starting line. Absolutely, they, they would definitely need him back by the time the second round came around. So, I mean, you sort of add up the injuries for the Bucks, and you look at how close they are. To the playoffs right now, it is very important for them to have Giannis 100% healthy for when the playoffs start, especially when the second round starts. Absolutely. You do not want Giannis to be holding on his ankle for any reason. As much rest as they can give him is good. I understand he's adamant. I understand he's in the MVP race. Uh, I understand he wants to try and play through the injury. And I think it's got to be a careful consultation between the player, the coaching staff, and the medical staff for... Uh, for the Bucks, but hopefully his injury is not too serious. It looks like it's not that bad, so uh, hopefully he's able to play at one hundred percent in the playoffs and the rest of the season. The thing is, for for me, like it's it's one of those really annoying injuries that could come up at at, at any point in time. Steph Curry, anyone? Yes, I know, and I I think it, there have been three or four instances right where Giannis is just reaching for that ankle, right, 
And that's the last thing you want to see happen during mm-hmm. the playoffs. I agree. And the thing is, like, with me personally, is rest really going to help that? Is, Potentially, is, yes. I mean, uh, obviously resting for uh, a couple of weeks, three weeks might help. But right now, it's it's 10 days until the playoffs start. Do do, do those 10 days help Giannis get, get back to form or put, put that injury behind him officially? I would say more likely than not. I'll flip it around for you. I think it is better to take those 10 days off than have him play. Yeah, that's that, That's very true. I just think that that's the consideration we have to say. Not like, well, I guess in 10 days is not going to be perfect. But I think the problem with him playing is, is twofold. One, he's not getting enough time to rest and recover. And then two, he risks re-injuring that same ankle or the other ankle or any other litany of injuries that is possible. And while I think the Bucks can still win a first-round matchup without him... Uh, I know I, I don't think they have any shot in the second round without him playing at 100. percent Yeah, that's that's 100 true. Even if it is against the Celtics, oh, yeah. who are probably the inferior team in that matchup, but without Giannis, they're not. Without Giannis, they're not exactly, <laughs> and that and that is the rub there. So uh, obviously, this has this sort of segues into uh, another topic that we were going to talk about. That's the Giannis Harden MVP debate, but we're going to get into that after we talk about the Western and Eastern Conference standing. So with that, move on to the to that, to that topic. And we're going to talk about the Western Conference. The eight playoff teams have been decided, Vikram, in the Western Conference. Uh, but the question is, where are they going to be seated? And what are the first-round matchups going to look like? We simply do not know at this time. And there are 10 days to go in the regular season. Uh, today's March 30th. The, the regular season ends April 10th, and the playoffs begin on April 13th. With that being said, um, we do not know what the playoff matches are going to be, so I'm going to post this question to you, Vikram. What matchup do you want to see? What first-round matchup do you want to see in the Western Conference? So there are two first-round matchups I want to see in yeah. the Western Conference. First is Warriors-Thunder. I think that would just be fun. Oh, my God. I, I think that's that's like the one everybody in the media wants to watch is yeah. KD and Russ go at it. I did not see this coming. Yeah, I didn't think the Thunder were going to drop this far, and uh, maybe they won't. Uh, I mean, but it's season. not really dropping this far, right? It's it's more like the, the teams at the bottom of the Western Conference have been playing better. And it, obviously the Thunder, they've won some games, they've lost some games. And all of a sudden, you—I mean—you're looking up, and you're you're in the eight seed. This well, is, the the reason they're in the eight seed is because they've gone four and six in their last ten. That's yeah, the that, reason. That, that's and everybody else is like absolutely kidding, uh, killing it above them. Yeah, like the, the Jazz went nine and one. The, the Clippers went eight and two. I mean, you're really looking at some uh, some really overachieving teams here. All right, yeah. So sure. I, I think that's going to be a fun matchup. Just on paper, it, it's going to be hilarious. Uh, I think it would be. It, I think that is the hardest first round matchup for the Warriors. So. Uh, as a Warriors fan, I may not want them to play the Thunder simply because I think it's a harder matchup for them than any other in the first round. That might be true. Uh, but from an entertainment value perspective, man, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, it would definitely give the Warriors a test in the first round. First Absolutely. Round, for sure, that they have not had. And uh, yeah. the second matchup that I really want to see is uh, the Rockets versus the Jazz. Uh, I think if if that's possible, which uh, would require the uh, the Jazz moving down to the sixth seed or the Rockets falling to the fourth seed, which is b- both of these are possible, very possible. And so uh, I would love to see a Houston Jazz series. Uh, I want to see Donovan Mitchell go off, and I want to see how Houston this uh, this what I believe to be a weaker Houston squad than last year 
deal with the defensive pressure of Rudy Gobert on the inside. I'd like to see how this uh, this goes out in the playoffs. So I'm really interested to see that matchup if it occurs. What what I would really want to see is does Utah find a way to get to, get to the four seed by the time the playoffs come around? There there are two games behind Portland right now. Looks like a long shot, but if they can find a way to get to that four seed, home court advantage is really a big deal for for a team, especially a team like Utah, where that 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 home court really really helps them. Altitude and altitude, but maybe if they're playing Portland in the first round, that that won't matter. If, whether they're the road team first or the home team first, maybe they end up winning that series anyway. I'm pretty sure they're going to win that series but, either way. But I, w- I would like to see the Rockets play the Thunder. Actually, uh, I would want. I think the Thunder have played the Rockets really well this year, especially making that 26 point comeback in Houston. Mm-hmm. I know Houston uh, has really. Uh, turned it around ever since a couple of weeks after the All Star break. They've really, really been playing well lately, and uh, the Thunder is not not so much. But I really like to see that star power going up against each other. Um, Westbrook and uh, Paul George again against um, Harden and and Chris Paul. Yeah, I think it's just going to be tough for the the Thunder to make up that one and a half game gap to go up to the six seed in the next uh, six games. I think that's probably the hard. That's the rub, mm-hmm. really. Uh, for having the Rockets play the Thunder because the uh, the Clippers and Spurs they're playing really well right now. Yeah, I, I to think to end the season. To be honest, the matchup I'm not too interested in watching would be the Rockets versus the Clippers. I don't think that would be a particularly entertaining series, yeah. and uh, that's what it's slated to be right now. I just and, don't think and, that'd and be and a that's great the series. thing, right? Any the Clippers like credit give credit to the Clippers. They've been playing very very well. They play as a team. They embody what it means to be a team. Their best players come off the bench, and that is the problem. Yeah, and uh, the, I mean, when, in, in the playoffs, where rotation shorten, and you're always going to see the best, some of the be- team's best players on the court at all times, playing heavy minutes. It's really, really hard to have a, a deep team in, in the playoffs when you don't have superstars. Yeah, I just don't think the Clippers match up very well with the Rockets in particular. Uh, I think their center options are uh, are getting lit up by James Harden, frankly. Uh, like the Clippers' best shot at moving on to the second round is getting to play the Blazers in the first round. Yep, that uh, that's what I would be aiming for if I was the Clippers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and it, it's totally possible for the Clippers to jump the Jazz, and that would that would be probably their best opportunity to go to the second round. Yeah, but uh, one team, I mean, that I'm sort of nervous about, and we've sort of been nervous about them all season, are the Denver Nuggets. I think and if they there's play the there's Spurs, no there's okay. no easy first round matchup for them. I think they could lose to the Spurs I think that the coaching advantage is clearly with Greg Popovich I see I don't think it's a coaching advantage more than it's a just a youth versus experience advantage here yeah well that's that's coaching to me uh, but but it is, I, I think Mike Malone is a pretty good coach though yeah but Greg Popovich is you know on the short list for greatest coach of all time that's that's very true so but, I, but again I think it's more of a more of a function of the Spurs just have have been there done that sure sure versus sure the Nuggets haven't yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. And even Nuggets-Thunder, that would make me nervous as I was the Nuggets. I would be less worried against the Thunder than I would be against the Spurs, to be honest. Well, you're like, if you're looking at less worried, then then yeah, I would agree with you. But uh, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm not very happy with how the, the playoff picture is really looking at like right now. I don't think any team is really good for them to match up with except Portland, and for the same reason that Yusuf Nurkic is out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I really think that for all of these teams, right? I think the top eight teams in the West are really, really good, and all of these teams have a chance of beating the other team on any if, given night. If you're, the bottom, if you're the bottom half of the West, do you want to play the Nuggets in the first round? Yes. Yes, you do. 
outside. So, I mean, if your choices are Golden State, the Nuggets, the Rockets, I would want to play the Nuggets. Yes, obviously. Because that too, like the the Denver home court advantage is is mostly due to the fact that the teams play their back end of the back-to-back at Denver more often than not if you're in the Western Conference. So that's why that's such a hard home game. And, but and, if, and altitude but sucks. You, and altitude does, does suck. It especially sucks if you just if you just got there. Yeah, you know what I mean? If you just got there, didn't have time to acclimate. But. Right, but if, you, if you're if you in there in a the playoff series, you have like a day off in between, you have time to acclimate. Yeah. It's not that... Uh, what, it's what, not what, as much of an advantage. It's not that intimidating anymore. Yeah. And and that's that's sort of the thing that happened when the Warriors played the Nuggets back in the day. When Nuggets were the three seed, the Warriors were the six seed. They were able to win that series in six games. They were able to get acclimated to Denver. All of a sudden, Denver is not that intimidating anymore. And I mean, I, I'm not saying the same as like a similar thing is going to happen this year, but maybe the Nuggets are in a little bit of trouble here. I don't know. Well, I just think what's going to happen for the Nuggets is they're going to struggle to defend some of the best players on these other teams. Hmm. Uh, like, I don't think they have a particularly good defensive matchup for DeMar DeRozan, for example, unless they want to play Tony Craig uh, or Torrey Craig extended minutes, which I don't think is going to be good for them. Uh, similarly, I don't think they have a good matchup for James Harden. Uh, I don't think they have a good matchup for you know Steph Curry. For that's, example. that's more of a second round problem. James Harden, if if Denver gets that far, right, right. But yeah. I'm, and but Demar Derozan isn't for sure. And yeah, yeah. Paul George is your you know your same problem on that. And maybe Sweet Lou. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I do think we're we're throwing a little bit of shade at Gary Harris, who I think is a is a good option, but his injury problems this season. Leave me a little concerned about how they're going to defensively match up. The the thing about uh, Denver is that uh, Nikola Jokic seems to disappear in opportune moments, and that is not something that can happen in playoff time. And you know he is I, a center. It is hard to be the most impactful player on the floor as a center, and he's done a tremendous job yeah. of it this year. But it's hard from his position. Like I mean, that's one thing that Jokic needs to add to his game. Like if like can can I be? the most offensively dominant player on the floor at any given time. And for him, he has to be because he's yes. not defensively. He's very smart on defense. Mm-hmm. Like I give him credit for being in the right place, for getting into plays, and he's really improved on that side of the ball, and that's a lot of credit to him. Right. But from a physical perspective, he's not that athletic. He's not a great rim protector. And, and he's a he's a good, not, not phenomenal it's, rebounder. It's the first time for a lot of these Denver players in the playoffs, I think except for Millsap, Millsap and probably Plumlee. That's Plumlee made the playoffs with the the Trailblazers. That's okay, pretty, cool. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's I, playoff I, experience. Yeah, then yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, like if you're talking about Denver, right? So, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing that hurts Denver. And uh, Isaiah Thomas, I guess, but okay. who's out of the rotation, right? So, anyways, uh, I'd like to move on and look at the East for a second. So, in the Eastern Conference, it's it's really about which team is going to make it to the playoffs. So, we have several teams still fighting for playoff spots: uh, the Detroit Pistons, the Brooklyn Nets, the Miami Heat. The Orlando Magic, and to some extent the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, nah. Uh, well, okay, fine. No, nah. not the Charlotte Hornets. Okay, so if we got four teams fighting for three playoff spots, uh, instead of asking you who's going to make it, who do you want to see make it? I'm actually good with the Pistons, Nets, and the Heat making it. The main, the main question is, do I want the Magic over the Heat? Yeah. And the reality is, as much as I actually would like the Magic as the underdog to take over the Heat, I really want to watch Dwayne Wade in the playoffs one more time. So from like a selfish fan perspective, I kind of want Dwayne Wade. In the playoffs. I, I I sort of want both. That I, I I want the Nets to heat the Magic to make the playoffs. I don't want the Pistons there. Yeah, well, the Pistons are unfortunately well, the best team in this. Uh, in this well, group. yeah, yeah, they are, and um, they're probably going to make it. But it would be a nice story for the Magic to make the playoffs. Just, I just agree. like, just to say that some of this rebuild that they've had going on ever since Dwight Howard left has been successful. 
I mean, that Nikola Vucevic becoming an all-star has actually meant something to their franchise, that they actually make the effort to sign Nikola Vucevic in the offseason when he becomes a free agent. Uh, I think they will. I think they're going to have to because Mo Bamba hasn't worked out for him. Well, yeah. He uh, Mobamba, he's been he's been hurt. Yeah, and, and he they, wasn't that good when he was on the floor. He was getting outplayed by Kem Birch. Like that's, that's true. <laughs> that's not a good sign for uh, for Mobamba's career. I, I, but I, I'm still high on Mobamba. I, I am too. I think he's I, going I to think, be a good I, NBA player. I think I think he's a cerebral guy. I think he's one of those guys who changed the game, changed his game after going to the MIT Sloan Conference. He actually attended that conference a couple of times. And that's what that's what he said had led him to like change his game, develop more outside shooting, become a better free throw shooter, and uh, I, I guess that that part really intrigued me. So uh, so Mo Bamba get well, but it would be nice to see the Magic make the playoffs uh, and uh, try to inaugurate Markel Fultz starting next year and and see where that takes they them. They need competent point guard play. Yes, that is nothing against DJ Augustine, but. You need 48 minutes of competent point guard play. That's true. Every single game. And they just don't have that right now. And so, the I think Markel Fultz is an improvement. Like, thoracic outlet syndrome Markel Fultz is an improvement. <laughs> I think he, if he was playing right now, he would be helping the Magic. Who starts at the four for the Magic? Gordon. Oh, Aaron Gordon. That's yeah, right. Who starts at the four? Who starts at the three? That's a great question off the top of my head. Uh, Terrence Ross? Terrence Ross comes out the bench. Uh, Fournier is probably starting at the two. And uh, Augustine's the one. Yep. Okay, so, so I mean, if you just click on any game here, right? We can see this, their, their starting lineup. And there's, there, okay. There, okay, oh, it's a Jonathan Isaac. Mm, okay, yeah, okay, okay. okay. There, right. we, we forgot about him. He's been having a sneaky good year as well. Dude, look at, they're playing Michael Carter-Williams like 20 minutes a game, man. <laughs> this is, this is, this is okay. This is pitiful. Bad. This is obviously pitiful point guard play for for them. But Dude, I like, tells I like you how bad Grant is. I, I do like team. Jonathan Isaac playing, and I, I do I do like the way he has been playing, and uh, it shows that it was a good draft pick by them. Absolutely, and I, I would like to see him in the playoffs as well. Just just so that just to see some like clarity for like. The, the future is bright for the Magic. Just, yeah, absolutely. Just, but miscasting him as a small forward is uh, probably not the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Right. But obviously you brought up a good, some good points. Um, Dwayne Wade having his final season in the playoffs. That, 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 would, be, that, that would be good for him. Uh, well, what's, what's another? The Brooklyn Nets making the playoffs. For so we, we talked about it for the Magic, right? So, so the Brooklyn Nets making the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Uh, after uh, completing the rebuild process, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's a really good problem. Well, they're still in the and midst also of it. D'Angelo Russell really really playing well in being an all star. The Lakers have to be hating their lives right now. Yes, they do. With their best point guard prospect. <laughs> I'll be honest. I probably would have done the same thing. Uh, I don't think D'Angelo Russell would have reached those heights in LA, so I'm very happy that he got an opportunity in Brooklyn. And, 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 that, and that's and that's sort of thing to hear, right? The the Lakers. I promised that we would not talk about the Lakers on this podcast, but here we are. We're talking now about we're the talking Lakers. about the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyways. Well, that's our, that's our their, their player mentioned. development um, has been iffy. Iffy. Let, yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and with the Brooklyn Nets, it's been much better. Yeah. Kenny Atkinson, Sean Marks, they've yes. done a phenomenal. We we talk about it almost every week. They've yeah. done a phenomenal. Like job Spencer Dinwiddie is like the epitomization of how good the 
player development has been. For Absolutely. Nets. But like, look at their success yeah. stories, right? You have people like Joe Harris, Levert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen. I mean, like, look, their entire starting lineup is essentially a testament to player development. Yes, it and is. then uh, you know, you know, Zan and Musa playing like real minutes in the NBA, like yeah, Musa. Yeah, like they Ed just, Davis playing playing actual minutes and picking up Shabazz Napier. Yeah. You know, like they have been very sound as like a team. every roster move they have made has been calculated and, and it looks I, like a winner. Like. If there is a way to improve the 15th guy on the roster, we will improve that guy. And they have done that every single year, making incremental improvement when they didn't really have draft capital. They had no assets. Exactly. And that's and that's how they had to operate. And when, when you operate like that slowly and steadily, you, you get to this position where you're in the playoffs. I'm really happy for them. Yeah, heck, yeah. they had the same number of all-stars as the Lakers did. Yep. <laughs> that's sad as that sounds. Oh, oh my god, that 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 really sucks. But but anyways, so we've gone over the West and the East. Hopefully next week we get more clarity on on the seedings in the West and who's going to make the playoffs in the East. And uh, yeah, we'll, yeah be so, doing, we'll be doing our episode after the first game of the playoffs, I think. Well, next week. Oh, sorry, no, 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 no not next week. Well, we will be doing our next episode. Uh, before the final week of the season. Yeah, the last so, few games. Yeah, yeah. The last few next, games. Next so, Saturday. So hopefully more clarity. That's. I mean, that's, we should probably have clinched on the East. Yes. And better perspective on the, the on the West. The West. Yeah. Yes. So with that, we go on to the uh, MVP race, and the MVP race is uh, between two players. That's James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So it really looked like Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be running away with the MVP award after leading the Milwaukee Bucks to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, but. James Harden said, not so fast. And he's been putting together some amazing performances, including uh, some 50-point uh, triple-doubles. Yeah, this and, last game. And 20-point like, quarters. And all these ridiculous statistical marvels that make you turn your head and look at your TV screen. And um, as much as we want to give Giannis the MVP, we have to give credit to what James Harden has done and what how he's improved the Rockets over the past couple of weeks the Rockets have been playing like the second best team in the Western Conference sure and um heck I think they've been playing better than the Warriors they are the argument could be made there and that has brought about the conversation does James Harden have a legitimate shot of stealing the MVP from Giannis Antetokounmpo as we close the season especially given the fact that Giannis has been hurt and might sit out the last 10 days of the season I think that's really an optics thing to be honest uh, I don't know that that him sitting out the last six games actually makes that big of a difference in terms of this in, in terms of the greater MVP discussion. But but maybe it's more more like what Giannis does. Is it more th- that what Harden does more than what Giannis doesn't do? Yeah, I think it's more what Harden does. I think it almost has very little to do with Giannis. What Giannis does or doesn't do, mm-hmm. whether he you know had you know he continues to play at the level that he's played, you know, averaging twenty seven and some odd and twelve point four rebounds a game. And then comparing that to Harden's 36.4 and, you know, the craziness in that, I would kind of think of it this way. You know, there's a season where Kobe Bryant averaged 35.4, right? Mm-hmm. And didn't win the MVP. Yeah, Steve Nash did. Yeah, Steve Nash did. I'm thinking this is kind of similar to what's going on with James Harden. Mm-hmm. And the one reason I'd say that is I legitimately think Giannis is in the running for and will get some votes for Defensive Player of the Year. And that's not something that can be said for... James Harden. James Harden is really only playing one side of the ball. Sure. And so I think when it comes down to it, 
as a voter, I would probably give Giannis the nod. Mm -hmm. Earth-shattering statistical accomplishments aside, uh, I think that it's really, really hard, especially when your team is not the number one team in the NBA, to say, and you only play one side of the ball. Like, yes, you're scoring a lot. Yes, you're doing all these really cool things. But the fact that you're not the top team, and on top of that, you're only really playing one side of the ball, makes me want to give it to Giannis more. James Harden is probably going to go down as one of the best offensive players the NBA has ever seen. I think he is... So I think my my vote for the best scorer of all time is Kevin Durant. I think he's got more ability to do uh, to to score at a higher level simply because he's seven foot and can shoot over everybody. Yeah. But in terms of the most creativity and the ability to draw fouls, I have no doubt in my mind that James Harden is the best foul drawer in NBA history, bar none. Okay. Write it in the history book. I don't care. He okay. is the single best. At doing that, and that's and, a legitimate and, skill. And whether that is a good thing or a bad thing, well, in your it's book, a legitimate it depends, skill. Yeah, it depends on your perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I may not like it, but it is a legitimate skill, and yeah. I don't want to take away like that is its own form of greatness. And I think it sure. it contributes heavily to his game, and it's one of the things that gives him trouble. In the I, I, absolutely, but I think the fact that um, James Harden already won it last year, and uh, and Giannis is is this new face of the NBA sort of sort of a thing. Where he's led the Milwaukee Bucks to the number one seed after they were the number seven seed yep. last year. Yep. Uh, all these optical things lead to uh, the voters giving Giannis the MVP award just because you know at the end of the day the voters are are NBA writers. They love a good story. Yeah, I mean, right. then and, again, and, the, and, the Houston story is not bad either, it's, right? It's, it's not. It's it's not, and that's why we're having this conversation. We would not have had this conversation at the All Star break. Absolutely not. And I just uh, and we would we would we would have given Giannis the award right then and there, but and and the fact that we're having this conversation is a credit to how James Harden has closed that gap. But still going to give it to Giannis. Yeah, I. <laughs> James Harden is not my favorite player in the NBA. He's not. And you know, and it's it's actually not about him as a, as an individual. I actually really respect all of the work that he puts in, all of the ability that he has to own the rule book. And I like I'm I'm filled with admiration at his ability to find the rule and create moves and do things that take advantage of how the game has to be called. I think that is fantastic. Like. Granted, it gives me an appearance of a uh, like. I don't necessarily like watching him parade to the line twenty times a game. Like that's true, but. I think the ability to put people in that position is truly a valuable talent. So I'm I'm excited to see how it goes out for him at the end of the season. If he continues to put up 50 point triple doubles every game, I don't know, man. I think he could still win. It. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that might just go down to the wire, right? If 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 Harden is playing every game and putting up these ridiculous statistics, like I don't know, man. Like they, and that I mean, it could be enough to change the minds of Several voters, especially if Giannis is not playing, yeah, and, I mean, and Giannis is is not putting up like we we talk about like this is mono a mono battle, right? If if Giannis is not putting his share of the uh, of the battle, so to speak, and, and this is like a what have you done? This is a one what have you done for me lately? lately sure, sort of league, right? So yeah, that's that's sort of how Westbrook won the award a couple of years ago. Sure, with like I mean, breaking, breaking Oscar's triple double level record and i mean that's sort of the thing that harden needs to do here in order to change the mindset of some waters but he's not changed my mind i think i would still go with Giannis. yeah what harden does statistically i would certainly agree with uh with that the one thing i would say is 
you know, ultimately, like you said, the MVP is a is a question of who's got the best story, who's got the best record, and what kind of personal accomplishments have you had? Yeah. And it's really hard to weigh these against each other when you have truly historic performances, aka uh, Russell Westbrook breaking Oscar Robertson's record, this insane scoring season by Russell or by uh, by James Harden. Like these things are, are just so hard to overcome, and I think Giannis has a phenomenal shot of doing that, given the fact that his team is the number one team, the jump that they've made, and his development as an individual player on both sides of the floor. And that's why I want to give him the MVP. Uh, the other thing I would say is, I don't know whether Houston is going to do some strategic jockeying to try and get out of Golden State's side of the bracket. At three, they're fine, but if they drop to four or the Warriors drop to two, you know, you may see some strategic jockeying. And maybe that means a little bit of rest for James Harden, who frankly could use it given the workload that he's had this year. Well, yeah, then the question becomes, do, do the Rockets have enough games to do some tr- strategic jockeying? And uh, that's uh, and will Harden accept having uh, having days off, having games off? I having, don't think he will. But yeah, having load management because he he's he's on quote saying I do not believe in load management. Good and for that's, him. He's the only one. And yeah, he he is the only one there. But anyways, we'll see. This is this is going to be a very interesting battle coming down to the last ten days of the season. So another battle that is sort of like bubbled to its top is the rookie of the year battle. And obviously, it is between a couple of rookies, Luka Doncic, who has been the consensus rookie of the year for a long time. But here comes Trey Young, the rookie for the Atlanta Hawks. And um, Vikram actually brought up a point before we started recording this podcast. If you if you compare Trey Young's stats post All Star break to Damian Lillard, they're pretty damn similar. And that's just a te- that's just a testament to how much Trey Young has improved the, this rookie year. But how uh, how dominant he's been in, in that improvement and uh, how good the Atlanta Hawks have, have looked as well. So I just want to turn it over to Vikram and uh, give me your thoughts on, on Trey Young and his improvement this rookie, rookie year. I know we've talked about Trey Young and we've talked about the Trey and Luka trade, Trey Young and Luka Doncic trade and why the, the Hawks might have been regretting that trade, but maybe we're not looking at it in that way anymore. Well, you know, I think what the Hawks said was was correct in that we know Luca was going to be really, really good, but we really wanted two bites of the apple with two lottery picks, and sometimes that's what it comes down to, and that was the reason they they pulled the trigger on the trade. And Trey Young was is certainly a phenomenal prospect. He was then, and he is only he is only overachieved what my expectations were him for him this year. I thought he was going to struggle much more. I actually thought. The beginning of this season was more reflective of what I expected his whole season to be, but his rate of improvement through the season uh, has been frankly astonishing. The two the two areas that I want to point out are one his playmaking. I think that has been the number one asset he had both in college and in the NBA, and that was something that we actually saw uh, even during the early parts of the season. But he looks more confident. His turnover rate, uh, I think, I believe, has been dropping. Uh, his ability to get to his spot and make the right pass, and the the chemistry he's built with his teammates, like a. Uh, Collins and Herter, like th- that's very, very valuable for the Hawks moving forward. Uh, I think the shooting was one thing that uh, I didn't necessarily see coming around so quickly, uh, especially his ability to, you know, we knew he could hit that long three, but how consistent it would be at the NBA level. We right. They, they look like stupid shots. Yeah. Think, 
And they looked stupid the at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they, they did. Not anymore. Now they now he looks uh, a lot more comfortable taking that shot. And I think the biggest thing for him is he's getting to his spots on offense mm-hmm. and getting to a place where he knows when to take his shot and what is a good shot for him as an individual. And his teammates also know how to play off of him and with him to put him in positions to succeed too. So I think that's one thing that you only get by playing an NBA season. I, I think another thing that uh, Trey Young has been given this season is a lot of freedom. Yes. And, uh, a lot of, and, and that freedom has been given by none other than Lloyd, Pe- Lloyd Pierce, yeah. the, the head coach for the Hawks. And uh, uh, we all knew that this is going to be a rebuilding year for the Hawks and that Trey Young was, given, gonna be gonna, was going to be given a lot of time to uh, to try and improve, to try and work through any struggles that he had in his rookie season, and credit to him, he has worked worked through those struggles and and listen, he has he has been taking those threes all season long, and it's because Lloyd Pierce has given him the freedom to to take those shots, to to try and find his niche in the NBA, and uh, thank God he has. Oh yeah, and and that that's just a, that's a credit to I don't want to say it's a credit to coaching, but it's a credit to the situation that they that the Hawks have surrounded him with. Look, you're going to mess up. You're going to be losing games. My, do it on your terms. Absolutely, and let's be honest here: the Atlanta Hawks winning 27 games so far this year is a much better outcome than I had anticipated for them. Absolutely, so I, I would say their rebuild is ahead of schedule. Now, I have some concerns about about him on defense. I think that's going to be somewhere he's going to struggle his entire career. I think he's always going to be a below average defender. I don't think there's much hope for that in terms of uh, ever getting to a average or even even average. I and then when you when you start to pull hairs on that is when the Atlanta Hawks start to make the playoffs, have right. playoff matchups and that starts to be exposed a little bit. But anyways, continue. Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's something a future that's something you got to worry about in the future. That's not something I worry about right now. I think he's like he's been phenomenal this year, and I think it's a testament to his development this year that we're even talking about a comparison between him and and Luca uh, at this late in the season. I mean, and that's probably a good segue to, to looking at Luca's year. And uh, the one thing I can say for Luca has been his consistency from day one to today. Uh, yeah, in terms and, of and what we'll he's get, done. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. But yeah, yeah, and that's why I think a lot of people have been coming out in support of Trey Young for Rookie of the Year, especially some. Current players, Kyle Kuzma came out and said that he that Trey Young should probably be the rookie of the year. Donovan Mitchell said the same thing, and I think uh, a lot of people are suffering from recency bias. Absolutely, there's there, in no way, shape, or form should Trey Young like we can't discount Trey Young's season, but I think we're doing a discredit to how historic Luka Doncic is as an NBA player. Yeah, Luka Doncic has been consistent, and, and I think I, he's a better NBA player. And, frankly. And, and this reminds me of uh, Steph Curry going up against uh, Tyreek Evans uh, back in. I think I think it was back in 2009 that they had that rookie of the year race and uh, Steph Curry was closing in quickly and did have a great end to that rookie season but at the end of the day uh well wait, what's his name Tyreek Evans was averaging 20 20 points, 5 rebounds and 5 assists consistently throughout the year and you cannot discount that. Didn't he hit that crazy game winner too that year? Was it that year or well, the it might year have been after. the year after? I can't remember. I, I, I think it was the year after, but yeah. but anyways. But anyhow, but, but, I, I but think there's Tyreek Evans had a phenomenal rookie year, and he was consistent throughout that year. That's that that sort of thing. But so we shouldn't be having recency bias in that case when we look at Luka Doncic versus Trey Young. Yep, I think Luka Doncic has been really steady throughout the year. I think he's been the better player. But to be a hundred percent honest, as, as flammable as Trey Young has been yes. over the past couple months. I think that's the key word is he's flammable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
Luka Doncic has been the better NBA player so far. He's been steady. Yeah. Well, I mean, has seven triple doubles. He's led a uh, he's led a a uh, a Mavericks team to twenty nine wins, which is again higher and more than they expected. Particularly when they traded away their vets after uh, uh, after. Well, the they've been they've been struggling as of late, and there's they've, a reason they've been two and eight. They've been two and eight in the last ten and years. That, that's probably a contributing factor to that. Let's yes. be honest. So right. I've been very impressed with what he's done and what Luca's shown this season. Uh, especially just, from a creation standpoint, and just because we've seen like more of the same from Luka Doncic, uh, doesn't mean the, the doesn't mean that he's regressed in any way. Right, and yeah. I don't. I think it's impressive that he hasn't hit that rookie wall, at least of what I I would consider. But again, he's been playing professional basketball since what he like thirteen or something, something crazy like that. Right, and and that's some that's some of the argument that other people are using as to why he. Sh- he should not be the rookie of the year because he's been playing the Euroleague. He's been playing professionally for so long. He's, it's. I mean, this is Trey Young's first professional season versus for Luca, it's been probably his fourth or fifth professional season. But it's a, that's it's, a it's still the first me. year in the NBA. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. boohoo. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, I know. You know, I, I just like that. That to me is not a convincing argument. I think most people are are struggling with recency bias, and I think. From an objective standpoint, I'm not sure how... At the end of the day, Luka Doncic is still 19 years old. Yeah, I, I don't see from an objective standpoint how you would take, right now at least, you would take uh, Trey Young over Luka Doncic for the Rookie of the Year. Because the Rookie of the Year, like it says, is of the year. Which means we actually have to pay some credit to the early part of the season. And it's Rookie, which means it's your first year in the NBA. And yeah, I, from like a definitional standpoint, I'm pretty sure... Luka Doncic will run away with this award. Who's the oldest guy to win Rookie of the Year? That's a great question. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, I, that's uh, that's another episode because I know like I know there were rookies that came into the league, um, like at probably at age like twenty five or twenty six, like they were drafted as like European players, right, right, and they came to the league very very late and might have been good. I don't know. I don't, I cannot think of a rookie like that. Yeah, off the I top feel of like my head. didn't Luis Scola come to the NBA at like twenty seven and make an all rookie team? Was he, was he rookie of the year? No, no, no. He was rookie of the year, but uh, yeah, I think he made an all rookie team. Maybe, maybe he did. I maybe can't he did. Remember, and that was a oh seven oh eight. I want to say, and he and he also came to the NBA very late. In yeah, he's like twenty seven, twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, yes. maybe even older than that. I, we have to look it up, but that's uh-huh. we'll definitely have an answer for you guys on that. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I actually th- actually thought that it, uh, you know when the Milos Teodosic came into the league last year. Yeah, I actually thought that he might be one of those rookies that um, had a chance to win Rookie of the Year. Well, you got to get time for that. Yeah, you have to get playing time for that. I thought he might have made an All Rookie team, maybe. But anyways, that's another discussion for another day. So uh, with that, we have uh, exhausted all the topics that we wanted to talk about for this episode. We did want to talk about Kristaps Porzingis and, and his uh, impending rape case, but that is another discussion for another day when we have more details on that. Right, Vikram? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, so with that, we will uh, end this episode. And uh, uh, this is a last reminder to please subscribe to the Ballistic Podcast if you have not done so already. And email any feedback you have on this episode or any other episode you've listened to to ballisticpodcast at gmail.com. Leave your comments, your thoughts, your um, uh, your uh, possible topics that you want to talk about. We will definitely be all ears today and we'll definitely reply to you. So uh, thanks, thank you so much for listening to the Ballistic Podcast. For Vikram, I'm Guru. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night, everybody.